It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day everyone and welcome to the Trade Mate Sports Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by a political cricket and golf gambler. I'm sorry, I should have asked how to pronounce your name beforehand. Paul Krishnamurti, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for that. That's just spot on with the, um, oh, the name. Wouldn't read about it. Wouldn't read about it. <laughs> uh, mate, my, my, I mean, you're quite a popular figure in the, in the industry. You're on a few podcasts. So maybe just uh, for those who don't, don't know you already maybe just uh yeah explain a little bit about yourself what your role is nowadays in the industry okay so i've been in around the game for over 30 years i was um you know a school bookie semi-professional gambler betting shop manager and then i turned professional 2003 and my career is just kind of like you know it's just kind of work it's happened naturally I started writing for Betfair doing analysis of golf and cricket and snooker they were main things and then I and then politics which was just kind of breaking through and over the last five or six years I just you know I've traveled to America trying to pioneer the concept and that's been my main thing for the last years in terms of writing so so right now I I basically do three jobs I I'm a consultant betting consultant for firm called Bet Online, and I do all their politics prices, I have them with PR and on all my speciality subjects, cricket, snooker and golf. Um, and I am also a sort of semi-professional trader now because I haven't got the time to do it professionally, but I've been on cricket virtually every day and snooker mm. and the Open and elections. And then also like I'm a freelance writer, I write for Betfair, I write for politics for GQ, um, Politico, Esquire, lots of big publications whenever there's an election. And, you know, I, I, I mean, basically, I, I will write and do podcasts about any of my four markets that are politics, snooker, golf and cricket. Yeah, okay. That's fascinating that you're kind of like switching, I guess, back and forth between sides of the fence, if you want to call it like that, and, you know, professional mm. uh, betting yourself and then also working for bookmakers. What's that like, juggling... I guess all that together, and uh, and guess yeah, seeing seeing things from different sides all the time. It must it must be just constant education, I would assume. Well, that's it. I think that's right. It's an education because um, I mean it, it's it's natural to me just what I've done since I was thirteen. You know, you know, I wanted to have a bet, uh, so I wanted to have my football bets, but then I thought I'll also be the school bookie, so I learned the price things up. And as soon as I worked in betting shops, you know, I you're just being educated all the time about little angles and little ways to make money. And I guess over a period of time, I then, because I used to bet on everything, absolutely everything under the sun when I was a teenager, you know. Um, and after a while, I just got more disciplined about it, more rigorous in my research, and I managed to just narrow it down to my things. And I really don't ever break them. I mean, take the European Championship football last week. I literally had one bet in the whole tournament, right, which mm. was the final England to win on penalties. How bad that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, 
Have you ever thought of like moving outside of the industry? I mean, if you 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 basically do everything in the betting industry, it must be like a, mm. I don't know, it must be interesting if you ever thought of, you know, doing another job outside of the industry and telling them that like literally you've done every job in betting but nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this is how I think. I mean, the reason where the politics thing comes from is that when I was 25, I was a bit disillusioned with bet, the betting industry, really, and I wanted to get an education, so I got a degree in politics, and I started working as an investigative journalist. And yeah. so that's always been my hobby. That's my passion. And somehow I've managed to combine the two and get a career out of the politics and the betting. But, I mean, I can. I, one of the things I might well do very soon is set up a politics-only podcast that it might discuss mm. betting, but it will be more about politics. Yeah, okay. Nice, mate. Well, yeah, speaking of politics, maybe you just want to explain, um, I guess, your process when it comes to uh, political gambling. As you can imagine, I've never had anyone else on this podcast that's talked about politics, gambling. Uh, so, yeah, go for gold, mate. I'm probably going to ask some very dumb questions. No, but, no, uh, yeah, fine. tell me a bit about what you do. Well, well first of all, i just say is it's not it, – it's very different to betting on sports. So, whereas you look at – a golf tournament or a cricket match. It's in the data. You study the data and there's a process of research. Elections and politics betting aren't really like that. I mean, you do need a good overview of the subject. You need to know what the party systems are and what the parties in each country represent and what the issues that are likely to drive an election, right? And... You've got to know how to read opinion polls and how to sort of look for the information buried with, within them. That's not to say an opinion polls are flawless or something to totally rely on, but there's a lot of your useful information in there. Um, I think that the bigger picture with it is, especially if you're interested in the subject and you've got that background knowledge, then it's quite an easy subject to watch from a distance you know, I can have my three tellies going and be betting live on cricket, but also have um, a news channel on, right? And, you know, in the corner of my eye, I can see anything, anything that's relevant to an election. If someone says, oh, like Elizabeth Warren just declared for president, you know, I'm on it within three seconds because I've just seen okay. me on a news thing. It didn't take a load of research. You're just waiting for those little triggers. Um, I'd say also, I mean, it's really different from all because – this is the real world, right? There's no flukes here. You can't be unlucky. You can't, you know, if you, let's take, say, a cricket match, right? You could probably say about a particular cricket match, if these teams played 50 times, you know, there would be 35 of one result, 15 of the other. There, there's no way there would always be the same result. I'd say of all the elections in the world or leadership elections, virtually none ever were a fluke. You know, it might be that we misread beforehand what was going to happen. Take Trump 2016, which is probably the most extreme example, very close, could have gone another way potentially. But actually the result, when, when once it's over and you go through the data and you rethink it all, you think actually it was right. You know, it was there. If you were looking for it, it was a value, but if you're looking for it, even if I went the other way, um, Whereas, you know, as any sports gambler will tell you, it drives you mad, right? You can just go on a run where you do nothing wrong. 
but you yeah. keep hitting bars and keep hitting bad luck all the time. Um, so I wouldn't say that really applies in politics. Okay, so um, yeah, I guess talk a little, maybe just like if if you're looking at a political market uh, of any kind of upcoming election, what do you? I guess what are you looking for? Are you trying to? I guess. I, I, you're obviously looking for value, but if you're saying that there's not too much, I guess, unpredictability, can you? Is it is it hard to find value in that sense? Then, I personally think there's loads of value. I think the best value bet you'll ever find in politics, um, because I would say that a lot of the market, the market's not driven by real reliable data. Even the opinion polls don't really move the markets anymore. If you take the American election just gone um, for a year all of us political gambling pundits just spent the entire year going when will the market respond to the polls when will it take any notice it didn't because a lot of people had said we don't believe them we don't put fundamentals in there that make them wrong so you know it is more about taking a strong view and making a prediction about the real world about what the issues are in play, how a campaign might pan out, how a candidate might might cope on TV, you know, because, of course, you might often get a situation. Just a good recent example, Andrew Yang was one of three favourite for New York mayor. And the reason he was one of three favourite was because he's, he was far better known than the other candidates. He ran for president. He was 33 to run for president a year ago, Right whereas all the others were local New York politicians who no one outside of New York really knew. And consequently, he had this big early poll lead and he went three to one on. Now, you know, I've said, a lot of other people said, this is just madness. As soon as the actual contest starts for real and there are TV debates and endorsements for the other candidates and campaigns get going, Yang hasn't got anything behind him. He hasn't got a base within the party. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Like he was hot favourite to about six weeks, two months before, and then he just collapsed, finished fourth because there wasn't anything actually behind it. It was all hype. And a lot of, there's a lot of situations like that in political betting where candidates just hyped, or there's a lot of fake news around, there's fake rumours. And if you can spot that, that's a real golden opportunity to make some money. Yeah. So it is a lot of your, uh, I guess. The, the knowledge that you're using to make these betting decisions, is it just, I mean, you said you keep the news on all the time. Is it just keeping up informed with the news? Like what if someone's um, just getting started like myself? I mean, I barely follow politics, never bet a political market. If I'm looking to yeah get into political gambling, mm. it, what would you say is like the, the building blocks for me to get started? Well, so... In terms, certainly watch the news and have your, there's a number of things. I mean, I gotta say, it, it really helps to have a background knowledge in the subject to some degree, to do some basic reading about it. If you're going to bet on the American election, not that clear up about it. Well, who are the Republicans? Who are the Democrats? What do they believe in? What are the dividing lines between these two parties, right? What are the demographics of the people who vote for them? So you need to know that kind of stuff. But then once... Once you've got that, you're just keeping an overview on the news. And I think that what you need to do is you need to build a a follower list on Twitter of 
first of all, a handful of really good pollsters, right? Really good analysts. Nate Silver would be one. Uh, Grant Elliott Morris, Dave Wasserman would be another. The 538 website is really good. Uh, political report is good. So you'd, you'd get them. Then you would, um, I would also include in that timeline supporters of either side, like partisan journalists, right? So you might have a left-wing Bernie Sanders supporting journalist. You might have right-wing Trump supporting journalists. Even if you disagree with them, even if you think they're idiots, like, follow them. <laughs> because they'll say things that move the betting and change the conversation, you know? Right? Really? They're influential because so many people follow them. And don't, you know, too many people in it get upset because someone disagrees with them, right? And start blocking or muting and building their own little bubble on Twitter where everybody agrees with them. You know, I, I never block anyone. I want to know what the people I disagree with think as well as that. I, I just want to get all that information. And I think when you've got that, you, you get to understand the other side a bit more. You get to understand the dynamics a bit more. Um, also, you know, again, like sort of grade your news, right? If you want good, reliable news, and forecasts, I would say go for the highbrow press, the stuff that Wall Street listens to, the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, Washington Post, New York Times. You know, their their credibility stands on them being accurate and being relatively nonpartisan. Um, but then I'd also, you know, like I say, I'd, I'd, I'd also watch the, the mad stuff. I think, you know, you've got to keep an eye on Russia today. You've got to keep an eye on Fox because you've got to know what lies are being pushed out there and what silly little slogans are going to emerge next mm. week. <laughs> so just keep it as broad as possible, really. Yeah, well, okay. So so Twitter's obviously a very, uh, I guess, big source for you to keep on top of everything. 100%. I mean, the thing about Twitter is um, everyone who does politics is on Twitter. It's mm. perfect for them. It's just the perfect, uh, whereas Facebook's a lot more influential in determining an election because more people are on it. Twitter is the place where all the journalists are, all the politicians, all the activists. So you'll get yeah. great stuff there. Is this like a daily exercise for you, mate, to be, I guess, tracking these markers? I mean, outside of the work that you do, like if you were just, just you know, from a pure uh, punting, gambling perspective, mm. Would you be looking at these these markets every day? Is it like, I guess, is it that volatile that someone sends out a tweet or I guess a big, uh, I mean, like anything, like if there's a big piece of news, it's going to change the market. But are these are these prices moving every kind of day, even though, uh, I don't know, like the US election's still years mm. away? Well, yeah, I distinguish. Um, if we took take now, like right now, very quiet mode time in political betting because we just had the American elections, not British one for a while. Um, I am checking it every day as part of my work, obviously. And I just anyway keep an eye, but I'm not expecting there to be any drama particularly. There might something might happen, but it's not expected. But then when you hit an actual election cycle, um, we'll talk about America as it's far more substantial. Once the election cycle begins, and I'm talking 18 months before the actual election, once people start throwing their hat into the primaries and we start having TV debates, 
yeah, I, I'm just, I just never stopped looking at it. I'm completely addicted to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I went around America for a year talking about it 24 hours a day and writing about it 24 hours a day. You know, it, it, it's, but it does move. Those markets, the American election markets, there's serious money up there and it moves minute by minute for 18 months. It's amazing. How's how's COVID affected? I guess the the political scene and I'm almost like the the betting markets too. Is it has like I guess politicians' views or um, the way they've reacted to COVID has that created like a another element for you in terms of the betting of it? Well, I wouldn't say it sort of directly impacted the betting, except that it's the extra factor, isn't it? You know, if you take say the American election. And we could all, you know, there's no consensus about what caused the result, etc. But, you know, I've spent three years writing constantly about that 2020 election. And the whole game plan was this will be Trump on trial. He got impeached in January. He's got a million corruption scandals down the track. He's got New York investigating. And my whole analysis was there's no way you can run an election campaign with all that going on. Just impossible, mm. right? And it's going to expose. As it happened, COVID just changed all of that completely because the moment that happened, the news became about COVID. And loads of those scandals did come out and they just didn't cut through because the news every day, you know, people have only got so much bandwidth for news, right? So it did change that. But how it affected the result remains an open question. Personally, I think it helped him because of for the reasons I just said. Is it not nowadays? Is it like the the way that a um, yeah, it's just some, uh, some kind of political member, the, the way they treat COVID or their views of it? Is it does it outweigh like all of their other policies? Basically, like if you know what I mean, like if they if if someone like really disagrees with the way you've you've you know uh, you know some kind of politician has has handled mm. COVID, is that does that outweigh all of their other policies in a way? Um, it's a very good question, actually. I mean, I mean, it, it's still an unknown because you know I know it's been going on over eighteen months, but it was you know quite how it plays out. One of the effects we have seen, right, which um, I think we could say now after so many elections, it definitely counts, is that the incumbents are done well, right? Because to take in the UK, well, I mean, certainly all over the world incumbent presidents, prime ministers, their approval ratings shot up, right? And in Britain, you know, we've got um, three nations on the mainland, um, England, Scotland and Wales, all got different governments, all profoundly disagree with each other, Conservatives, Scottish Nationalists and Labour. The one big set of elections we had in May, that was the story. The incumbents, you know, Labour had a total disaster in England where the Conservatives are in. They'd had the best result in 30 years in Wales, which is just next door, right? The SNP did brilliant because they were incumbents. And what I think is going on is that, you know, most people don't think a lot of politicians are pretty tuned out of it. And then all of a sudden this emergency happens and suddenly they're having to listen to politicians and for once, all these politicians seem to be doing is giving useful, you know, information in the public interest, right, acting responsibly, wearing a mask, doing their straight press conference and 
telling people to stay safe, etc., and not necessarily try to score political points. And I think it makes them look good for that reason. It's a big advantage to the government of the day. Mm. Do you think it's like because they're maybe more relatable? Because everyone was so out of the, you know, everyone's so clueless when it came to COVID at the start, especially. So if the, you know, I guess if the the president or the prime minister is just like, look, we don't have too much information about it. Let's just try and stay safe. It's like, all right, I can understand that kind of, you know, belief at the moment. <laughs> maybe seem yeah. make them seem more relatable. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and. I, I, that's right, and, and I, I just think it makes people engage with them more because half of the issue with politics that goes on is, you know, we haven't got the bandwidth in this day and age. Most people just pay much attention to politics. There's too much else going on. There's too much you know, other sources of information to look at. And this has made them actually engage a little bit with politicians and spend some time listening to them. And I guess in a lot of cases, it's kind of actually, you're not that bad, really. <laughs> <laughs> Not the demon I thought you were yesterday. Yeah, because they're they're finally not speaking in all this political jargon. So, I, yeah, I can understand. Mm. I can understand how people have yeah, made their approval ratings have gone up. Um, how how do you deal with? Uh, I guess politics in the sense that I would assume, like anyone, you probably have your own political beliefs. <laughs> is it, is it quite hard to remain? unbiased and I guess you know be betting I guess it's just like sport too you know being an, an Arsenal fan or whatever fan you are it's it's hard to you know take yourself mm. outside of that picture and look at a betting market uh, with no bias at all is is that is it the same in terms of sport for you when it comes to politics or is it kind of because I mean politics I mean, it can be quite emotional mm. too definitely I, I, I mean, I don't even know if I'm the best person to answer this because I've got plenty of uh, haters out there who would say, no, he can't, he could, he's completely one-sided, only ever backs lefties and all this stuff, which is not true because actually if you look at my record, I've backed all over. But I think, yeah, it's definitely a challenge because that's why I was saying about, about building the broad timeline because it's not necessarily that you're inclined to say, I'm going to just bet on my heart because, I mean, I never do that. I mean, the reason I stopped what I was interested in football was I couldn't do that, right? Um, so I'm definitely not doing that. But it's really easy to, especially nowadays with Facebook and Twitter, to just get into a bubble and and just reinforce, just seek confirmation articles and narratives that confirm the views you already have. I mean, personally, like I say, I've actually, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Remain vote. You know, Brexit referendum, I, that was one of my biggest wins, betting on Brexit, but I'm the other way, I'm a Remainer, right? Yeah. Um, but the biggest loss of my entire career was Trump in 2016. And I can't stand Trump. I'd never hidden it. I, you know, I, I, was on a, I was on Trump's case for nine months before he got elected at any opportunity. And so he's like, oh, well, he better himself. It actually wasn't that. It, do you know actually what that was about? It was a criminal bit of arrogance, actually, because I built this amazing book over a year, right, and I could cash it out on the night. And everyone around me was just saying, every person I met who knew anything about American politics who was a pundit was going, she's won, she's won. There's no way he wins, Yeah. And I went along with it. And it's afterwards I realised I definitely made bad mistakes. That, like there were, there was an argument there. But 
I would say it might die in breath. It was nothing to do with the politics of it. It was just... Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, sports really... I mean, we can be diehard fans of any kind of club or country, you know, the Euros just being on, like... But let's be it doesn't really mean too much in terms of your life. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, people can get upset when your sporting team loses, but politics is a is a whole different ball game. I can imagine like taking the emotion out of it would be greatly difficult sometimes because it affects it affects a lot more important things in life. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I suppose what I would probably say is it's probably easier betting on another country's politics from that point of view. Okay. Because yeah. you're going to look from the outside and get a zoom out with that information. Whereas, like I say, no matter how, if you live in, in England, for example, you can try and be as neutral as you want, but everybody's got an opinion. Your friends have got an opinion. Your opinions are formed by your background, all of that stuff. You, you can't totally distance yourself. It's a lot easier to distance yourself looking at another country. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. How do you, how do you measure the success of your bets? It might sound like a real stupid question because most people just say, "Well, is he winning or is he losing?" But it, I mean, a lot of other people in sports will say, "Well, did you beat the closing line, or you know, did you did you get the best prize in the market, or something like that?" How do you, I guess, yeah, track your success, and can you use any kind of other data outside of your ROI? Well, with politics. Really, I simply look at profit and loss because, for one, the markets are infrequent. Uh, a lot of the time, there isn't a lot of liquidity. You know, you might have a, do a play a market perfectly, but only win a small amount because you can only get a certain small amount on. Whereas then you get an American or British election, you can just have whatever you want on. Um, so, I, so for them, I would simply look at the number of results. But with other things like cricket, which is the main thing I do, I mean, I've bet on cricket like most days in the last 15 years, right? Um, I wrote down everything for years and years. And I, so what I would do is I would literally, at the end of a game or end of an innings, write down my PL, but also what the format of cricket was, whether it was T20 or 50 overs or, or test match. And then every month or two months, I'd then run through it all. And at the end of the year, I'd run through it all. And it was amazing what I learned from it. It was such a good research thing because I can remember just, just breezing along for a couple of years, maybe even five years, really just winning all the time at all the formats and thinking, this is so good, it's a straightforward thing. And then I just hit this on it and then – I had a bad – I had a good year of my money, but it was, it was like half of what I used to make. I went through it all, and literally all the losses were in one format, you know? Mm. And it was like, what happened there? What's gone on? Something's happened. And, of course, and, and I looked into it, and it was about rule changes in 50-over cricket. And, again, things – you always have to up, update. I've got a whole load of trading system strategies that I employ in cricket, and you have to upgrade them all the time because things change, teams change, dynamics change. Uh, so write everything down and just do as much research, just go as deep into it as you can and try and, and you know, like I so said, when you have a big, like say the Trump thing, well then take some time out, have a think about it, try and piece the whole thing together. Why did I make that decision? What was I saying? You know, reread your analysis 
and learn what you can from it. What what is the liquidity like on some of these political markets? I'm sure it depends on you know the the American elections in three years and you know the the whatever upcoming elections are coming up probably depends yeah. on time. But what is the liquidity like? It really really varies. I mean, so the American election was the biggest betting market of all time. Yeah, point um, six billion. It was eight <laughs> times the previous record, and the previous record was the previous US election. So that shows you what Trump on the ticket and a presidential election does, right? But then, and again, a British election would be enormous. You know, if you want, if if if, if there was an election tomorrow and you wanted to bet the Conservatives or Labour to win the most seats, you could probably get a six-figure bet on Betfair on within half an hour, no problem, right? It's mm. real liquidity. But then, if you were to get, say, a special election, a by-election, um, you know, just for a constituency like we had one recently, Batley in Spain, which was a really big talking point. But, you know, you'd have struggled to get more than a few hundred on, really, at the price at any time. Um, you know, people weren't giving anything away, right, because the, I think in a situation like that, you're dealing with quite a small hardcore network of people who bet on politics are all pretty clued up anyway to start with yeah okay um what's the what i mean would you would you recommend someone to be like a sole political gambler i mean i know you you bet a lot of other different sports but i imagine turnover would be a little bit of a problem if you were just you know just focusing on betting politics you couldn't i i, I don't think you could do it for a living um uh but having said that, I mean, in America, you've got the Predict It website where I think you can bet is restricted to $850 on a market. So um, there are those restrictions, but at the same time, they do have every day multiple markets. Uh, so you could probably churn out a consistent, solid profit, you know, as a part-time second income situation if you're very good at it. Okay, nice. All right, mate. Well, that was, uh, yeah, really interesting, I guess, getting the ins and outs of political gambling. Um, yeah, the only other questions I had was if you wanted to talk about some of the, uh, any upcoming elections or maybe go through the US election, which is obviously a while away. But yeah, anything, uh, yeah, any, you, the floor is yours, yeah, mate. That's exactly what I want to talk about. <laughs> so, um, I mean, like I say, this is something that really is just like, central to my life story when, when it, Trump everything sort of coincided with Trump coming into politics it transformed the game and I expanded what I was doing and it's far more than politics, it's, this is the story of the century the whole thing and one day when I get some time I will write several volumes of my diaries telling all that story in the whole global political context of it but that is still the, the main thing in town. And so now I say I work better online and part of my job is to create politics markets and create novelty markets around them. And as you can imagine, Trump is the absolute centrepiece. You know, we bet on everything. <laughs> if he does a speech, we've got buzzword bingo on what he'll say. We're yeah. betting on uh, all the family, you know, whether they will run for president, whether they'll be elected. We've got a special price on uh, four to one on any Trump being elected, 
Um, we've got a number of rallies he's going to do before the end of August. So there's all of that. That That's just an enormous ongoing betting heat. Will he be indicted, etc. all of that stuff. Um, but the other thing is that, leaving aside the novelty markets, Trump remains central to the whole game over there. Because and, and the fallout of January 6th and what happens, who gets and what emerges from those prosecutions, etc. Um, because he owns the Republican Party now. So the Republican Party have, there are many Republicans, and I agree completely wholeheartedly with them, who quietly will say, we've got to dump this guy. This is suicide. This is a blind alley in which we end up appealing really to 25 to 30% of the country and permanently alienating everybody else. And they're saying that, but they're all terrified to speak in public. And the upshot of that is Trump has total control of the party. And if he runs, which he says he will, right, I don't see any way he isn't the nominee. Now, in that situation, I would have said that um, Biden is a fantastic bet at 5.8 on Betfair. Fantastic bet. I mean, I've priced him for bet online at, at 3.5, and really, I, I, I think that's a fair bet because if Trump is the candidate, he will lose to whoever they put up. Um, the other thing is that this shot, this casts a whole shadow of everything else in American politics. You know, it's a massive year because you have the midterm congressional elections. So you've got races in all in about uh, 17 states, Senate races, you've got governor's races, you've got House representatives. And these are really close betting heats. They're, you know, really, really exciting. Lots of them around five, six, each, two, or close anyway. And again, like, it really all revolves around Trump and what happens in the months ahead. Because in my opinion, if he doesn't, if this, if they don't somehow distance themselves, they'll go down again, Republicans, and and they'll push, the, and there'll be certain states where they just become unelectable. But at the same time, were Trump to be indicted and people distance themselves, and suddenly he disappears from view, you would actually expect in that situation the Republicans to do really well next year because historically the opposition party always does well in the midterms. So these are really, really exciting markets over the next year. Like um, that, you know, even though I'm in Britain and due to COVID, I'm about to go, it didn't cause I go to America last year or anything. You know, I'm still there in my head 24 hours a day. Yeah, well, we have a bookmaker over in Australia here who do, they do a market every day because the, the premiers of each state are basically doing a press conference every day, giving an update on how COVID's going. And, yeah, we've got markets over here guessing what colour a jacket's going to be and stuff like that. So uh. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> that's, 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 see, this is something that's quite new, right? We didn't used to have these, like, politics should be just bet on an election don't know who's been the next leader once every six months. But you can do it every day on stuff like that. You know, what will they be wearing? How long will the press conference last? Right? What yeah. will they say? Will they use this buzzword or that buzzword? It's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's all it's all good fun, mate. And you mentioned a couple of times cricket's probably your main sport that you're betting just about every day. Did you want to shed any light on the upcoming T20 World Cup? Yeah. Um, I 
personally, I think Australia are terrible value. I really think that. I spent the reason I love cricket, probably the biggest reason I love cricket is the whole Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath era. Like yeah. I just watched Australian cricket for like 10 years and just won every time they played. Right. But <laughs> I think this particular Australian takes really poor. I think they're, and they're overrated because of the name. Right. And, New Zealand are a bigger price than Australia for that T20 World Cup. To me, New Zealand are a vastly superior side. So certainly in their group, they're in the same group, I would back New Zealand. Also, I mean, Pakistan, are, I think, are pretty capable on that, uh, given it's in the Middle East and they play their home games there. Okay, nice. Man. How, how far away is the World Cup? It's October. October. Okay, cool. That'll be uh, very exciting, mate. And uh, as I normally finish up with every guest on the podcast, uh, any piece of advice, just one piece of advice or many, or maybe you've got plenty of advice, I guess, for someone who's maybe starting betting or even people uh, yeah, who've been doing this for a couple of years now, like one piece of advice to, I guess, take their game to the next level. Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked a lot of the more sort of detailed stuff, but I mean, just to really keep it simple, the golden rule is never, ever chase. Never have a bet in response to another bet, ever. Every bet you have is a standalone bet. It's irrelevant what else you've done. Even if you've really had a bet on a market, say you're, you're £500 down on a Betfair market, but then it's still going on and you spot a trade that in normal circumstances you'd have £100 on to win 100 Stick to it. Don't look at the 500 and go, oh, I might as well have 500 to try and get me 500 back. Don't ever go mm. there. It will go, it will go wrong. I guarantee it. You know, every serious gambler will tell you a, a terrible story about when they chased. Yeah. And it will, the yeah. thing is, it, will, it will blow your mind. That's the problem. You've got to keep your mind as balanced as you can. And the minute you start chasing, you're in trouble. It must be a lot harder too. I mean, I assume you're doing a lot of trading with cricket too and you can see if you're just doing one match uh, for the evening or whatever, you can see on on Betfair or whatever platform you're using, you can see exactly at at all times basically how much you've won and lost on that game. And if, I mean, it must be, uh, you know, just constantly seeing a red figure for the day, it must be a little bit of a mind battle, I would assume. It's absolutely. And, and you know, sorry, I mean, you know, I must have bet on 30,000, 40,000 different matches over the years. And I know golden rules. There are golden rules when I trade, right? I know them. I break them all the time. All the time. You can't help it. You know, when you're having 50 trades on, a, on an innings, right, 47 of them might be straight, all good, all within the rules. But there'll still be two or three where you just can't help yourself. And it is like a, a – seriously, to this day after all these years, there's like a, a, a mental battle in every cricket innings I've got. I've got his head, his voice in my head going, follow the rules, follow the rules. Don't make the rules. Yeah, no, well said, mate. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been really interesting. Uh, I hope it's been interesting for our guests. Yeah. I hope there's some people here that are listening in that are uh, yeah interested by the political stuff. I mean, I have basically no interest in politics, but I I find this um yeah I find this stuff really interesting. I think uh, people definitely get something out of it. Maybe you just want to mention uh, 
yeah, where you are on Twitter or, yeah, where people can find your work and I guess your day-to-day stuff that you're doing? Okay, so, um, yeah, my website is politicalgambler.com um, where I, I and my Twitter is at Paul Motti. Right, so all the stuff I write, whether it's for Betfair or GQ or whoever, whether I'm pricing the markets up a bit online, I, I generally put them out on that Twitter account. So that's the best place, at Paul Motti. All right, nice, mate. Thank you very much for coming on and thanks, everyone, for listening. Please do a quick rate and review of the podcast. Just shed a few minutes of your time and subscribe to us wherever you listen and give us a like on YouTube too if that's where you are watching. And if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today, maybe not the political ones, start a three-week trial of TradeMate Sports. Maybe one day we'll have some uh, political bets run through there. We can only... We can only dream. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you very much again, mate, and I'll uh, yeah, catch up sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on.